Welcome to the Entrepreneur Academy with your hosts, Nick Dutton of Engage Finance and James Cross from Crossover Property on this episode of the Entrepreneur Academy. They're managing to be supported by some government grants and the fact they've helped with furloughing their staff. That's really just a sticking plaster. And 2008, what they did then with quantitative easing was a sticking plaster. Now like a house with like the whole building's held up by sticking plaster. But now, here are your hosts, Nick and James. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur Academy and we're on Zoom again, uh, down with the technology and we're joined again by Victoria Jones. Thank you for joining us once more. Oh, you're welcome. So Thanks for having me. It's just me today, Jim's not feeling too good. So uh, I just thought now would be a good time to catch up on, now I've read the book, which first of all I'll say was was awesome. Uh, Genuinely couldn't put it down all day, so... Uh, it's really worth really worth getting and I think for those that I've spoken to they're a bit worried that they don't really understand it and I didn't before so but I'd still say that it's well worth the read there's a mixture of both points where um, even if you're not really financially astute you can still understand it but then it really went into detail where you think okay now I need to know a bit more it went into that extra detail so it was really good Oh, great. Excellent. It's hard to pitch these things. Yeah, it's hard to pitch these things. When I, when I first got into Bitcoin, you know, one of the things I found was that you'd, you'd kind of, you're like, where do I start? And you go onto YouTube and you see lots of people talking about it, but they're Mm. all at a very high level. And it's just like, I don't know where to start with this. And it does take time to dig into it. So I felt that it was, um, it, you know, there needs to be a way to kind of introduce it in a way that it yeah. relates to people. So I think that's the thing. That was what made it relatable because actually the examples you used, you could sort of go, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Whereas like the stuff, again, I've read on, on YouTube, it's, it's more looking at the graphs. It's looking at how to read that, when to catch it at the right point, but it doesn't put it into perspective as to why you would want to invest in it or why you'd want to use it. And that's, yeah. where, that's where it really hit home because even talking to people around me now about it, they're like, oh, yeah, Bitcoin, yeah, it's just dodgy. You don't want to get involved with that. And and I'm like, <laughs> please read the book and it will open your eyes, I promise you. What um, would you say were your major insights as a result of reading it? Mainly the financial market the way it is now. I obviously understood that uh, money wasn't necessarily based on a gold standard and it was leveraged a lot higher, but it didn't really sink into account when you're looking at the amount of trillions of pounds in debt. And one thing I did like is that you put on about searching a YouTube video about how Trillion relates to it. Yeah. And I watched one and it's literally like, oh, wow, okay. And, and that's <laughs> when you start to realize that actually it, it is a ticking time bomb and it could go off any second. And I do worry. The reason I sort of now so passionate about it is I'm similar to you is that more so now, the way the market is now, you can almost see that that bomb is really coming to the forefront and it could go off any day. Yeah, Um, and it's remarkable, isn't it? You know, we've had 10 years of austerity where the government Mm. couldn't spend any money and now, of course, we've got this crisis and it's money for everybody. And it's just like, okay, who's paying for this, guys? Exactly, exactly. (laughs) But when you realise how money really works, you go, oh, they have no problem with this. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. You know, they've delayed the inevitable for 10 years. They know it's coming down the track. It's just like, okay, we'll deal with this emergency and then we'll deal with that emergency later. (laughs) What I wanted to sort of break down the sort of areas I wanted to discuss was obviously Bitcoin, um, the financial market as it is now, and potentially Mm -hmm. a bit controversial around the NHS and and the way that's going as well, because I feel like 
before when we were talking about it, people can't necessarily relate to it because they're not really seeing it. But now you can really, it's there, it's black and white, it's there in front of you. I feel like they really hit home a lot more. Um, yeah. So something that I, I, I've sort of split Bitcoin into is A, accepting it from a business point of view as a, as a source of funds, but also from an investing point of view. I see a lot now that a lot more people, because I've got the time, are learning about share investing, learning about investing completely because A, it's a good time to be doing it because everything's just dropped off a cliff, but also, um, you know, they've got the time to learn about it and property seems to be, become a bit stagnant. You know, the other investment platforms are becoming a bit stagnant. So um, I'd like to include Bitcoin within a portfolio of investments and I'm wondering picking your brain about whether now is the time to be doing so you, obviously in the book you mentioned about halving and I, and I think that's that's coming up also what impact that has on the value of coins mm-hmm. and the market demand what I've been reading is that halving is likely to increase the price is what you've mentioned as well but other people have said that where it shows a spike in the price is not always correlated with halving sometimes it's just the demand has gone up at that time of year anyway so i don't know what what your views on that were let me start by explaining what a halving is so um basically the way in which bitcoin is a software program and the reason why it's valuable is because it's been set up in such a way that it's it's designed in a number of the best economic properties um as if as if it was operating on a gold standard. So Mm -hmm. it used to be the case that people would use gold and silver coins um, for transactions. And actually the most prosperous time that we had in history was when most of Europe was on a gold standard at the end of the... uh, of the 19th century yeah but of course with the with the two world wars um because the wars were so expensive they had to find a way to fund those so that yeah. was where our current fiat money began um but of course the problem with and this is where we, we currently stand with the problems in the financial system now um a lot of people say the problems with the existing financial system, basically this ever-increasing debt can only be solved by going back onto a gold standard. But of course, you know, no one's going to do that until yeah. they absolutely have to. Yeah. But in reality, you know, g- going back to using gold and silver coins, you know, that's 19th century technology. Yeah. And one of the reasons why we ended up on a fiat money standard in the first place is because... Uh, people had to use pieces of paper to represent the amount of gold that they were exchanging because it was mm-hmm. too heavy to carry it around. Yeah. So it was inevitable that if we ever went back to anything like a gold standard, it had to be a better solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the way that Bitcoin has been designed, but it's very controversial. A lot of people who aren't familiar with finance um, aren't familiar with the fact that there are different schools of thought in terms of how finance should work. Mm -hmm. So at the moment, you've got the group that gather around the Keynesians that say, you know, we can create as much money as we like, we just need to manage where it goes. Um, But then you have the Austrians that say, you know, whenever you do that, you're going to get perverse incentives. Um, Having something like a sound money keeps everything fairer um, and allows it to operate without assigning moral value to that money. The money is the money and it does its own job without, you know, trying to manage it Um, human thoughts i guess as well exactly you know you're not keynesianism is is very much involved with manipulation and and very much involved with 
where people think that value should be assigned um, and distributed. And the problem with that is who makes the decision? You know, I mean, I, I don't know any leader in history that's never made a mistake no. um, or who hasn't, who hasn't caused a problem. And, um, and so there are huge issues with that. And if you do a deep dive into how the financial system is working, you see all sorts of corruption and mismanagement going on. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is why governments get bigger and bigger, because you need more and more people arguing over how the money should be spent. Whereas, you know, if you just let the money be the money, it could do its job. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we can yeah. sack we could sack the rest of them um, because, you know, individuals want to make their own decisions. They don't want those decisions being made for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you need a tool that's kind of independent of that. So this, these are, these are some of the philosophical arguments behind a gold standard. And so Bitcoin was very much um, created with that in mind. Um, So the idea behind gold is it has value because it's rare. You Mm -hmm. know, you require a lot of energy in order to get it out of the ground. And so with Bitcoin, um, it's been designed in the same way. The only way you can create more Bitcoin is by having it mined. And basically that what the miners do is they search for a very rare number that validates each block of transactions on the network. And it's quite complicated. You need Mm. to spend some time researching it. And obviously I don't want to spend this whole podcast, you know, explaining that, but basically it's this feature of mining that helps to validate the block of transactions. And the fact that this rare number needs to be discovered in order to validate those block of block of transactions is where the rarity comes uh, in Bitcoin. And because of the way, and it's been, the rules have been designed into a software program and the software program has been set up so that only 21 million Bitcoins will ever be created. So this is where Bitcoin Bitcoin gets its rarity from. Um, So exactly, except actually there's a lot more gold on the planet than a lot of people recognize, you know, even gold isn't finite, um, but it does require investment in order to get it out of the ground, which is why it can be somewhere where you store your savings. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you try and store your savings with something that someone else can print, it, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing independent, um, establishing that value. So this is, you know, the idea behind Bitcoin, it's kind of digital scarcity. It's the first time ever that it was possible for that to be invented. And there've been a lot of people and, and this blockchain technology is what a lot of people have decided to run with Mm -hmm. because they think that idea is valuable. They don't, you know, unless you've got an understanding of how money really works, you don't understand why Bitcoin is valuable. Yeah. Now, blockchain is a whole other debate, and there are plenty of people who are still arguing whether or not you know Bitcoin has any value outside of it just being a form of money. Mm-hmm. But right now, the quality of our money is actually a huge problem once you understand it. But most people don't even understand that that's no. the problem. So it's really it's really difficult to understand why Bitcoin is the solution unless you've already come to an understanding of, of what the problems are that need solving. Um, so going back to um, the halving, what happens with the halving? The, the software protocol is set up in such a way that when a miner validates a block of transactions, they get a certain reward. The reward they get is a number of Bitcoins. And this is how Bitcoins are created. Bitcoins are only released from the network when a block of transactions are validated. And and so what happens is that reward halves every four years. Okay. So um, for the last four years, the reward the miners have received for validating a block of transactions is 12 and a half Bitcoins. Yeah, I was say. So the thing is <clears throat> with Bitcoin, because 
a lot of people are now seeing it as a form of sound money. A lot of people are saving them because they realize that this is a re- this is the ultimate form mm-hmm. of savings. And so if people are kind of holding them, you know, every time new Bitcoins are created and come onto the market and they're holding them and they're not actually using them in the real economy, the only way you can get access to new Bitcoins is if someone sells them or if they're oh, created. Wow. Yeah, okay. So at the moment, the only way in which they're being created is by the miners um, and they're getting 12 and a half Bitcoins every time they validate um, a block of transactions. Now, in order to validate this block of transactions, they have expenses. They have to, they have to uh, fund mining rigs, yeah. um, which is expensive in terms of electricity. So there's yeah. a fine balance there. You know, the, the Bitcoin has, the value of one Bitcoin has to be at a certain level in order to cover their expenses. Yeah, you know, okay. once it starts dropping below a certain level, um, it's not worth it. You know, it, it, their, their business model uh, starts to suffer. Yeah. Um, so, um, so this is what tends to push up the price. When there's a halving, which I think is in another 13 or 14 days, it's very soon now, um, but it doesn't happen at a particular point in the calendar. It happens once every, um, I think it's every 100,000 blocks are validated, okay. the reward halves. Um, and so that's coming up very rapidly at the moment. It's estimated it's going to happen in the next 13 to 14 days. Right. So when that happens, the, the reward will go down to six and a quarter bitcoins. So what that means is the money that the miners were previously getting from validating one block of transactions yeah. um, was the value of 12 and a half bitcoins, yeah, which yeah, at the moment... Yeah. You know, um, I think the value is about seven seven and a half thousand dollars at the moment. So yeah. times that by twelve, that's that's it's probably what the miners are expe- are spending on electricity yeah. in order to validate those transactions. Wow. Now, if the if the um, the reward they get suddenly decreases by half, their revenue needs to double in order to cover their expenses. So what tends to happen in the run-up to the halving is rather than sell the Bitcoins into the market, the miners tend to hoard them because they know the halving's coming up and they're still going to have to pay their expenses. So they'll kind of hold hold them back. Um, And then what happens is once the halving happens is a lot of miners tend to sell them because they're only getting, they're getting a smaller amount of reward, but they still need to pay their expenses. So they're using those Bitcoins that they're saved in order, in order to do that so you kind of have this supply and demand dynamic going on um, that tends to in- increase the price okay. um, but it doesn't increase the price straight away if you look back in history there have been two previous halvings what tends to happen is there tends to be a big leap just prior to the halving in right. terms of the price and then just after the halving there tends to be a bit of a drop but okay. after that it gradually tends to go up again. and up right okay you know, because of this this dynamic and so um, the the curves are kind of getting wider and wider as time goes by, and of course, Bitcoin Bitcoin becomes more valuable, and there's more available that people are, are buying and selling. Yeah. Um, but um, what we tend to find is that um, after the halving, for about eighteen months, there's a kind of gradual climb in the price, and as as that's happened over a period of months, and people get more and more used to it, you know, word gets around it just like you know, know how much money I've made out of Bitcoin. Yeah. And then, you know, towards the last, yeah. t- towards the end of 18 months, there's this kind of crescendo because everyone's heard about it. So the price tends to spike and that's the point at which everyone's buying. And then some clever so-and-so that bought them six years earlier, that's the point at which they sell. No. And it kind of crashes the price for the next three years before okay. the whole cycle starts again. Right, okay. So that tends to be the dynamic. It's set up in such a way that, 
in terms of dollar value, it's the value is almost guaranteed um, to increase. But of course, this depends on a lot of things. It depends yeah. on, you know, how much value people are still putting into the network. You know, if something happened to destroy Bitcoin's reputation tomorrow and everyone decides to sell, that would it. That would be it. It would crash yeah. to zero. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, the longer it goes on and the more people understand the fundamentals behind it, the more people are incentivized to hold on to it. And of course, yeah. the problems in the financial system, um, uh, you know, uh, support that belief as well. And yeah. so it becomes the virtuous circle. Um, and so, you know, since its inception, you know, I think it's been the best performing asset of certainly this century. Um, Absolutely, yeah. There's been nothing else like it. Yeah. And, and this is why, you know, it's um, someone, whoever invented it, and we still, they supposedly call Satoshi Nakamoto, but no one gen- no. still knows who they are. But whoever invented it really understood economics. They understood computer science. They understood human psychology. You know, they were very, very clever. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, as, as a result, you know, it's almost like the the benefits were programmed in right from the beginning. Um and there were lots of problems at the beginning. It's not been perfect. You know, a lot of people no, have worked no, to kind no, of solve it. the problem. Yeah. But the thing is, as they've worked on solving those problems, and more people have been motivated. Because, of course, a lot of people have been seeing the problems in the financial system and looking around and kind of going, okay, I see the problem. Where do I go for a solution? And yeah. I did that, you know, because I, I was running my own business. And it was as a result of running my own business that I started to look into how the financial system worked. Yeah. And, um, and you look around and you kind of go, okay, I don't get it. And it's just like, well, if I want to save some money and the bank's only giving me 0.01% interest, where's a better Absolutely. place to put my money? Um, and then you, you start learning about what money actually is. I mean, a lot of people will go to the stock market because it seems, to, and if you go and see a financial advisor, they'll recommend the stock market. Yeah. But actually, when you understand that the the reason the stock market is going up is only because the money is bad, you realise that's yes. probably not the best. That's yeah, probably yeah. not the best place to put your money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. So that is true. So um, so uh, so yes, yeah, so that helped me understand what gold and silver was. But as as a result of having been a business owner, I was just like, as a business owner, I don't want to be collecting gold and silver no. coins in my no, business. No, no. You know, it's heavy. You know, it's a huge chore to take it to the bank. How do I check whether or not, you know, it's, you know, because there's stories of you getting gold bars with tungsten, tungsten covered, you know, gold, gold leaf bars. So, you know, you've got all those sorts of issues when you get into sound money, but the concept is sound and you can see throughout history that it's when societies were based on a form of sound money, then they prospered the most because there was no one interfering. Um, so the fact that someone's come up with a digital solution, frankly, I just think is brilliant. Yeah. And the fact that people don't get it really boggles my mind. But then again, you know, I've spent time studying it. Um, and because I spent time studying it and, you know, I, I'd, I'd meet up with my friends and I'd start explaining it to them. It's just like, I don't get to see very often. I really don't want to spend three hours talking no, no, to you no, about this. Yeah, yeah. But if I write a book, next time I can tell you just to read this and then we yeah. can talk about something else. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> if you're really interested. I think, that, I think that's the problem, isn't it? Because... The problem is, I, from where I see, is the government don't really like it, and it's them that sort of control the media, and that's what people are seeing, uh, and yeah. they only see the bad press, and they automatically just think, no, that, that it's not for me, or. But it completely destroys them. I mean, the thing yeah. is, you know, you need the government to manage the money as it is. If you, Absolutely. if you, if you, if you create something that doesn't need any of that, 
they're all they all all lose their jobs yeah. so it's yeah, hardly yeah. surprising you yeah. know and the thing is you know the government supports the media i mean the B, you know um the bbc is yeah, um, yeah. you know government government funded and of course there are huge moral hazards with that as well um because of course you know whoever's funding um yeah you know, will does influence people. Yeah, it does yeah, yeah. influence people. Yeah. You you can't get around that. Yeah. Um, so it's really really important for all of our society that um, the money is independent of other people's ideas about it. Yeah. And I wouldn't say Bitcoin is totally immune from that. You know, there are certainly some dangers um, in getting involved in the blockchain. And I think it's really really important as people are developing their education about the financial system mm -hmm. about how money really works and the fact that this is a potential solution you know be mindful of what the dangers are of this as well and it's already starting it's like no we don't need bitcoin but this blockchain thing is a good idea it's just like yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is actually the last thing we want well the way i'm seeing it with with from an investing point of view and um i see it as this, there's three ways really that for a Joe Bloggs person that thinks, okay, I'm going to get into this. Obviously, one is mining, which I think for a standard person who doesn't understand yeah. it is is just not the right avenue to be going down. Um, In the early days, it was, but not now. No, it's it, yeah. You know, when I was reading about it, even for me, it was just like, whoa, okay, this, this, <laughs> this is next level. Uh, the yeah. other two are sort of sit and hold, which I think would probably be the most popular strategy. But there's also um, more of like a spread bet strategy where you, you buy and sell on a daily day trading, that sort of sort of thing. So, you know, I think the two are the day trading and the, and the sit and hold, which, which strategy for newbies or which ones have you sort of followed? Um, well, I mean, I think the trading, I think the trading idea um, sounds appealing, yeah. but what you have to realize is now that Bitcoin is more established, there are a lot of professionals in the market. Um, and so you really, you really, really need to know what you're doing if you're going to be successful with that. Mm -hmm. And also the other thing is, you know, with having talked about business, uh, Bitcoin's price trajectory in the past, you know, up until 2017, it had been allowed to kind of develop on its own with no interference. But in yeah. December 2017, they introduced futures contracts Bitcoin, which um, now uh, interferes with its price cycles. You know, people can bet on the traditional markets on right. whether yeah, yeah. Bitcoin's price um, goes down or not. And, yeah. um, you know, it's these sorts of mechanisms that have been able to keep the price of Bitcoin and silver artificial, uh, gold and silver artificially low for a number of years. So, if you look at a chart of Bitcoin and look at its history, you look back and you can see how the dynamics have worked in the past and you kind of think, oh, okay, I get it. I see how this works. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to work like that in the future. And of course, on this occasion, with, with this halving, we've also got the problem of this pandemic. You know, yes. the, the economy is literally grinding to a halt. Yeah. You know, the people who've saved Bitcoin in the past may actually be having to sell them just to pay their living expenses, especially if it's the only form of savings that they have. Absolutely. And so, you know, there's no guarantee that it's going to follow the same kind of path as it has in the past. Yeah. It's worth being aware of the underlying dynamics, but 
you don't know for sure. So a lot of people who are trading will kind of like look at charting patterns similar to how they look at the stock market. Yeah. But again, the stock market is heavily managed. You know, they've had the plunge protection team um, for God knows how long to make sure that there's never a dramatic plunge because it just, it just affects so many things. Yeah. So although there are some people who are able to scrape pennies from the market due to the little up and down motions, oh, you know, yeah. you are ultimately betting because again it's something that doesn't operate organically there's too many people pulling and pushing Absolutely. the leaders behind yeah. the scenes it's really hard for the average person to get ahead I so it. i think that's yeah. that's what i would say about the trading aspect i think for someone who isn't a trader just a normal person because i mean i'm not a trader i mean i my um, profession is as a dentist and, mm. you know, just learning about dentistry and being involved in dentistry is literally 24 uh, seven focus of attention. You know, yeah. I've not really had, I never had time in my career to look into, into any of that. No. Um, might've been more profitable if I had, yeah. um, but you know, it, it does, it does create, um, it is very time consuming. So you can't, you can't really do that. No. Um, as a professional, you know, a lot of, I know a lot of my colleagues, a lot of my friends will have financial advisors and they will hire a financial advisor in order to um, get a, well, in order to have some professional help yeah. in kind of getting ahead financially. But of, kept, but of course, the financial advisors are all regulated. So they're only able to, I mean, you'll know this, Nick, because you are mm, one, yeah. um, but they're only able to advise on the products that are approved. So you know, yeah. anything, anything that kind of goes outside of, outside of that boundary uh, can be very tricky. doesn't yeah. mean you can't, but you almost take your life in your hands if you do, because Absolutely. if someone can kill your career yeah. for making that kind of decision, and people do, um, you know, it, it's, it's much more, it's much more yeah. scary. Yeah, but yeah. the thing is, when you realize the bigger problems that are on the horizon, it's like, you know, a lot of my colleagues, they had no idea that something like this pandemic could happen. No, you know, exactly. They really, they run really capital intensive businesses yeah. um, that are often, you know, just on the edge of profitable in order to keep them going. And they've been able to run that model for the last 10 years, very mm -hmm. 10 years, very successfully. And yeah. all of a sudden something happens that forces them to close for six weeks. You know, most of them don't have cash reserves for that kind of no. emergency, but it's the same kind of thing with the financial system. You can go along thinking everything's fine because this is the way it's always worked. So it's always going to work the way it always has. And then out of the blue, something that can right. happen that changes everything. Yeah. So you have to have a perspective of the bigger picture to realize quite how vulnerable you are. And most people have no idea. No. Most businesses don't have any idea either. No. But, what, but also going back to that is because Bitcoin, did, it sort of dived when this virus hit as well, didn't it? Which I wasn't expecting because of the way it is. I didn't think it would be as affected as the normal sort of stock market, but it did seem to, it, I think it dropped from the highs of about 10,000, wasn't it? And it dropped to about three and a half almost within <laughs> overnight almost. So, um, well, this is the problem because it's not operating organically anymore. Mm. Um, you know, because it's tied to things like futures markets, um, this, that people will see the price of Bitcoin run in tandem with the stock market more and more. Yeah. So going back to your original question about trading or holding, I think the ultimate strategy is to get a little bit and just hold it. Just hold it. Because the thing is, something like the pandem pandemic that affected the dentists 
is going to be like the pandemic that affects the financial system. And it's yeah. like overnight things will change like that. For the last few years, I've been following like the gold and silver investors who've been going, buy gold, buy silver, buy gold, buy silver. And it's just kind of, yeah, fine. You know, when the time comes, I'll start investing then. But it's just like, this pandemic happens so quickly. Yeah. No one had a chance to think. No. And, you know, if you, watch, if you watch the gold and silver investors, you know, anyone who's trying to buy gold and silver now, it's like 100% premium yeah. on, you know, what you could get it for six months ago. Absolutely. And, and so Bitcoin will kind of be the same thing. It's not the same at the moment because we've got the internet and so it's still fairly easy to access it, yeah. unlike gold and silver because you need yeah. physical delivery yeah, of that. Nice. But um, while everything's still functioning in the financial system, it may well be that um, Bitcoin's price is suppressed and it uh, follows along the lines of the, of the existing stock market. Yeah. But at some point, literally overnight, everything could change. And you'll be yeah, yeah. so glad you had some. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think that's the problem, is it? Because, um, you know, ETF platforms and, and CFD, like um, trading two on two plus 500, all these sort of standard platforms that a lot of people use, you can now get involved with Bitcoin on it. And I think that's, that's the problem because savvy traders that understand the, the stock market who you know, might diversify their portfolio into that as well saw everything crashing overnight, sold bears, and then it just dropped with everything else. Um, mm -hmm. So I think, like you said, that is affecting it because there's more of a human involvement towards it um, compared to what it used to yeah. be. Yeah. And also with the ETFs, you're dealing with a paper contract. You're dealing yeah. with something that's a promise to deliver. Whereas yeah. with Bitcoin, you know, if you've got a Bitcoin ETF, they're promising to deliver the Bitcoin. But actually similar to, to you know it's always going to be harder to ask to, to take delivery of your gold because you have nowhere yes. to store it you know if you're very wealthy and all of your wealth is in gold you need you need to pay someone to store that safely yeah. with bitcoin the average person can have a tiny little device and just withdraw it from an exchange and hold it straight away yeah. um and the thing is the more that people do that the less there is to actually buy and sell on the actual market. Mm -hmm. So it may well be that people are buying and selling these contracts, but as with so many things, how do you know that they're actually trading the actual amount of things? Because, yeah. you know, on some of these Bitcoin exchanges, you know, some of the other tokens, for example, so Litecoin is the example of another yes. cryptocurrency yeah. that's limited in supply. You know, there's only 84 million, you know, you can have the entire market you know you have the entire market of litecoin traded in a single day yeah. whereas you know i know for myself i've got a few of those that i'm holding that aren't on the market so you know what are they doing they, yeah. they weren't buying and selling mine yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the thing is they will get away with it for as long as they're able to get away with it um but you know as things start to break in the financial market so already we've seen in the last couple of weeks you know oil dropping yeah, significantly low. And yeah. of course, you know, the dollar, it's known as the petrodollar because it's very closely, um, has been very closely tied yeah. uh, to, to the price of oil. It's not my area of expertise, but, um, you know, what I, I remember hearing someone a, long, a while ago saying the moment oil goes below 35 dollars you know yeah. all of these derivative markets start to implode it's just like what happens when it goes to minus 30 <laughs> so you know goodness knows what they're dealing with in the back rooms but we I haven't seen know. you know we haven't seen the effect of it yet but in terms of the maths and how it's supposed to work it's now totally dysfunctional yeah. um and it's almost like 
we haven't really seen the outcome of it yet. Um, you know, a lot of these small businesses, they're, not, they're chugging along, they're managing to be supported by some government grants and the fact that they've helped with furloughing their staff. Yeah. But that's really just a sticking plaster. And 2008, what they did then with quantitative easing was a sticking plaster. Mm-hmm. You, know, then, you know, it's like now like a house with like the whole building's held up by sticking plasters. Yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. just waiting for the moment for the whole thing to go. When you look at it, it's scary, isn't it, really? Most people have no idea. And, and I think that's the, the bad point because we're relying on people that are probably the ones causing it when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. So and then when you talk about holding it, Yeah. you mentioned, have a, go into a bit of detail about the devices because that was, that was new to me. Uh, yeah. That's not something I understood, but I get obviously once you've got gold, you saw it in a, in a safe. So Bitcoin yeah. is, is the, the gold and, and you need a safe to store it, but obviously it's more yeah. of an uh, electronic storage device. Yeah, so um, when you buy Bitcoin, you can buy it on an exchange, which is similar to going into a bank. And you can hold it on an exchange as well. So it's yeah. like having it in your bank account. So something like Coinbase would be a good example. It, that's yeah. where I started. It's a really easy place to um, you know, buy, buy and um, sell some Bitcoin. And especially mm-hmm. for anyone who's in England, you know, it's linked to England. So you can do direct transfers from your bank account. So that's a great place to start. But the trouble is, it's like holding your savings in a bank if... Um, yes anything happens to that bank, it can go, you know, your savings can go with it depending on, you know, the legal rules around it. So what tends to happen is you want an asset that you can hold in your own possession. So you need to be able to withdraw it from the bank and keep it in your safe at home. Um, The equivalent of a safe at home is what's called a hardware wallet. So um, that's a, that's a small device um, that um, is, that can be connected to your computer, but it is held separately from the computer and um, your digital assets can actually be stored there safely. um, So that only the person who knows the private key, which is hopefully you, the owner um, would be able to have access to them. Yeah. So I I see it's almost like a, well, it is a bit of an external hard drive, isn't it really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That you store your your coins on. Um, Yeah. But it's designed in such a way that, you know, I mean, I, it didn't I found it fairly straightforward to figure it out but you know then again you know I'm qualified to master's level but you know it's designed to be relatively straightforward it's probably still requires a bit of research for the average person um but you know with a bit of effort um it's fairly straightforward to to figure it out yeah um so, you know, if you're unsure, I wouldn't recommend putting your life savings in it. You know, the best no. thing to do is just experiment with a little bit. Again, that's what I did when I first bought it. You know, it's like £10 here, £10 there. Yeah. And I experimented with using it to buy for a few things. Um, so I was doing that in 2016. Um, and so it'd go up a little bit and like, oh, what can I spend with? What yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's, you know, just play with it for a while, you know, and the equivalent of 2016 is what we're about to go into. So you've got plenty of time. I don't think they're any going to, it's unlikely that there's going to be any dramatic moves this year. So it's a good right. time to have a play. I could be wrong. Don't hold me to it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, but um, it's a good time to have a play with just a small amount, you know, just experiment with buying a little bit on um, something like Coinbase, get a hardware wallet, although hardware wallets are quite expensive. I mean, it's oh, yeah, about $99, yeah. $99 but yeah. it's cheaper than a safe. It's cheaper than hiring a bank to save your gold. But I think, you know, if you get to a stage where you're saving over a thousand pounds, you've got over a thousand pounds on Coinbase or something, you want somewhere safer to stay safe. I was going to say, yeah. And that, and that, that point, it's not worthwhile, is it? 
Exactly. You know, if it's hundred quid, just leave it on Coinbase and um, play with it. Yeah. I mean, Coinbase is still one of the most reputable platforms yeah. um, in the space, but eventually, you know, when you get more comfortable with it, you'll want a hardware wallet to, yes. to store it on. Mm. I mean, I, I looked on Coinbase yesterday following, following the conversation we had and, you know, it's just as simple as all the other platforms really to, to use links to your debit card and, and, you, and you do it from there. One, one thing that I will say that other people have mentioned is you don't have to buy obviously a whole Bitcoin when you look at it and it's like, whoa, it's a thousand pounds to buy this one. And, and it's, yeah. it's not, it's not that you can buy sort of parts of it, can't you? Satoshi yes. So it's important to to acknowledge that one Bitcoin is a hundred million Satoshis. Yes. So it's just that when it, when we first started, because there are twenty one million of them, it was just easier to talk about Bitcoins rather than three quadrillion, you know, Satoshis yeah, yeah. or yeah, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Um, but so yes, it's possible to buy it ten pounds at a time. Yeah. And of course, you know, if, if you spend ten pounds, you're getting a thousand Satoshis, and who knows what a thousand Satoshis might be worth in the future. Absolutely. So you know, even a small, even a small investment is worth exploring and playing with yeah. um, until you learn more about it. I hope that gives obviously people a, a bit more um, insight as to how to sort of invest and how, and what how to use it um obviously the financial market now is very turbulent and uh, volatile um do you see this sort of being the last straw and i obviously talked about the ticking time bomb and that sort of thing to me it almost looks like it, it could be the last straw before it all goes for boom really when you look at the the number of debt and yeah i mean to be fair a lot of people thought 2008 was you know, True. a lot of people are amazed that they managed to keep it going after 2008 and True. no one had heard of quantitative easing before 2008. So goodness knows what they've got in their hats. So mm -hmm. a lot of, before this crisis hit, a lot of people were talking about modern monetary theory, uh, which is like helicopter money. So it's another way of the Keynesians kind of figuring out how to pull and push these levers in yeah. order to make sure the money gets to where it needs to go. And so the idea of modern monetary theory and helicopter money is basically kind of giving money out to the people. And essentially that's what they're doing right now. Yeah. You know, the pandemic has been the perfect excuse. It's just like almost anyone who's anyone can yeah. get something from the government yeah. right now, which I just is unbelievable really when you think about how the financial system is really working yeah. and especially the pain they made us go through for the sake of austerity because yeah. of course the idea behind austerity was that we were going to start paying back some of this money that had been spent as a result of bailing out the banks with the financial crisis but no 10 years late 10 yeah. years on no okay we tried yeah. that everyone's yeah. suffering too everyone's screaming yeah. um you know they all want brexit now and you know they all want to vote for the conservatives we clearly need another strategy yeah. um so um you know and so now it's like open the floodgates and there are loads of memes at the moment for people who know what's going on it's like money printer go yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's almost yeah, like they can't print it quick enough yeah. um so going to the point of your own game we could be very close but you know who knows what they've got in in the back of their pockets yeah. um but again you know second guessing what the powers that be or powers that soon were um are going to be is a very very difficult thing to do i think you yes. know if you understand the fundamentals what you realize is that you need to invest in hard assets you know now is the time for hard assets because although we're probably going through a phase of severe deflation uh, with a current severe economic re recession in all of the efforts that the government go to and the central banks go to in order to stay 
that off by printing all of this money they're essentially devaluing the currency Mm -hmm. and so at some point hyperinflation will kick in Mm -hmm. um now a lot of the central banks they you know even prior to this was starting to talk about you know we need some kind of digital currency it's so funny you know they dismiss bitcoin but they need their own digital currency but but actually you know that's even worse uh because anyone who's into privacy and self-sovereignty realizes that you mo- the moment that you have everything um, digitized so that you can follow people's transactions mm-hmm. and monitor them and analyze the data, you know, you're getting into some really scary territory there. Yeah. So actually the governments having their own kind of digital currency is probably the worst thing, the worst place we could go. But the problem is, if you, if you focus too much on that, you miss what Bitcoin is. You know, Bitcoin is kind of the same thing, but because it's decentralized, it eliminates some of the dangers. It might not eliminate all the dangers, but if you, if we're going to go down that path anyway, you want to be on that path, yeah. not on not on the non Bitcoin path. Yeah. Um, and it's a very fine it's a very fine distinction, and that was another reason why we're wrote the book because I was like you know most people don't even get Bitcoin they don't understand the financial system and so what's going to happen is there's going to come a day when there's a huge crisis and the government says here you go this is how we're going to save the problem and this is our solution isn't it great and the same time you know you you get all this money for welfare all this money for the NHS we've solved the problem aren't we brilliant you don't want to look at that Bitcoin stuff and you just kind of think oh my god this is a disaster waiting to happen it's just like people really really need to know and understand and what the difference is because otherwise they're going to be presented with a fait accompli and not realize the trap that they're being led into um which i think is frightening frightening so you know that for me that was my personal motivation to kind of write this and start talking about it because i was like people really need to understand you can see it coming you know you've seen i've seen mark carney talk about a digital currency you know they're in they're in such deep doo-doo they're going to have to come up with a solution at some point. Yeah. And people are so brainwashed by what the government have told them. I can see them blindly accepting it. Um, and, you know, and, and the thing is, once you've got the majority accepting it and peer oh, pressuring cool. everyone else into it, it's like, yeah. well, it's really good because it, yeah. it helps the NHS and it, it helps the poor people. And it's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But in, in essence, it's taken some elements of bitcoin but it gives them full control over it doesn't it really exactly exactly so you're talking about the difference between a centralized currency and a decentralized currency because of the way in which bitcoin has been designed it's decentralized so it it's been designed to be this independent independent form of money it's not impossible to change the software but it's very difficult it requires a consensus of opinion in order to do it um and it has to be done very transparently um whereas you know if you've got a central entity who's gone this is this is how the digital pound is going to work yeah you're just like i'm sorry but you've completely messed up the pound as it is i don't want a digital version thank you very much (laughs) but it's a really complicated thing to get so yeah and that, and that sort of leads on to obviously the nhs and the way that is now is in the book you've touched on obviously it being a, a monopoly which even more so now is is hitting home and also um you've talked about uh, those that enter even obviously wrote this before this even happened and those that are in the nhs didn't expect that you know lack of equipment would become a thing but actually even now you're hearing about it 
and and I can imagine that's even just the tip of the iceberg compared to you know PPE compared to what actually they're lacking. It's sort of yeah. interesting that you've talked about that, and now it's happening. You can sort of relate to it and put two and two together. Yeah, yeah, it's really scary. It's really scary. And the thing is, you know, the the only thing you hear about something like the NHS is on the media, you know, mm-hmm. unless you've actually worked in it. And even people who've worked in it and have blown the whistle, they're then asked to sign non-disclosure agreements. So they'll get a payoff wow. in, order to not, in order to not talk about it. Yeah. So, um, and the thing is, the bigger it gets and the more controlled it gets, the more vulnerable you are if you talk about the problems. Mm. So, you know, a long time ago, I did, I, you know, I think I qualified in 1997 and very early on, even before 1997, again, you know, the story I mentioned in my book, I became very disillusioned with the NHS and how decisions were made and how draconian it can potentially be, Mm -hmm. you know, until, until recently, I think, you know, even in the eighties, it was like doctor knows best. And it's almost like, you know, you had, you had to do what the doctor says. Now only re- recently people have pushed back on that and said, yeah. actually, I want to take more, more control, um, over, over my care. But, um, you know, for a long time, it wasn't like that. And it's almost like, you know, the moment the government says they will solve all their problems, you know, people immediately kind of go, huh, I don't have to worry about it anymore. They're going to yeah. take care of it. But of course, yeah. it's a very dangerous thing to do yeah. uh, because all sorts of things happen that aren't necessarily in your best interests. Yeah. Um, but I've gone off on a tangent, sorry. No, no. Well, the, the, <laughs> the other thing that sort of is that I saw yesterday, and I don't know if it was a recent announcement, but obviously they're, they're now um, uh, writing off more debt more NHS mm-hmm. debt and it's almost mm-hmm. when you start to sit back and look at it from a different picture you're almost seeing that you know they're using this opportunity where the NHS is really hyped up as a brilliant and, and you know the people that work in the NHS are doing a fantastic job but it's almost <laughs> under that and hidden is the fact that they're writing off more debt more costs more equipment it's when you when you when you look at it and you think about things it's like wow okay we really are you know, it's almost like the good things is like it's here, it's massive, uh, but what's going on there here? Don't don't take interest in it. It's here, and it's like wow, okay. Yeah, I mean they've neglected their staff for years. Um, yeah. You know, I mean only a couple of years ago you had the doctors protesting because they were trying to bring in some um, contracts that they were really unhappy with. And yeah. as a dentist, you know, I'd seen that happen as well. You know, in 2010, uh, they wanted to bring in a new contract and a lot of the dentists were complaining about it saying, you know, this would never work from the professional perspective. Mm. And I remember at the time, you know, the MP who was in charge of that was called Rosie Winterton. And basically she just said, okay, well, you don't want to do it our way. We'll just ship in a load of dentists from Europe and they'll do it instead. And, yeah, yeah. you know, where, yeah. do you, where do you go from there? You know, when you've got an unequal power balance and you're not listening to the professionals who know what the patients need on the ground. And actually, if they're not operating within the NHS system, it's very, very difficult. I mean, although there are private dental practices around, you really have to be on top of your game to, to survive as a private practice. And it can be very, very stressful. Yeah. Um, and a lot of dentists do it because they know that's the only way in which they can fulfill what they went into the profession um, to to achieve, which was to provide the best care for their patients. But really? they haven't yeah. been able to do that for the, in the NHS for years. So they have to do it by being completely outside of the system. But by mm. being completely out of the system, they're disadvantaged in so many other ways. I mean, the NHS is controlled in dentistry because it, it controls the price that you can charge for certain things, mm-hmm. which automatically limits 
what you're able to deliver. So at least in the private practice, you can charge what you need to charge, but it seems that much bigger because in the NHS, it's not in NHS dentistry anyway, it's not just about what the patients are paying for that item of service, but they're also getting grants from the government for their computer systems. Yeah. Um, if they need to do that, some of their annual training that, yeah. you know, the private practices don't get. So that all has to be funded from the patient fees. And so then the general public say, well, I don't understand why, you know, I can get this service here at this price. And then if I go to a private practice, it's 10 times more, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the private dentists clearly must be ripping me off. And that's yeah. not to say there aren't any cowboys out there because there yeah. are. Yeah. Um, but there is a reason why private dentistry is that much more Absolutely. expensive yeah. than NHS dentistry. But that's a really, that's a really difficult conversation to have with someone, especially when you're having it 10 times a day, when everyone comes in, like, why are you so expensive? Yeah. It's just like, I don't have time to explain. No. No. <laughs> you want it? This is yeah. what it costs. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's the thing, yeah. Their overheads aren't supported by, uh, you know, grants and stuff like that. Like, like exactly. The, the only way I pay my costs and I pay my staff and I pay myself yeah. is, you know, what I charge you. And if I don't have enough patients, game over. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. you know which is yeah. what a lot of them are going through right now we've obviously touched on a lot of things and i don't <laughs> want to go too controversial with we could go we could go on hours. i know <laughs> um, but i feel like for for those listening that now seems to be the good time to be looking at it further um and hopefully combined with the obviously the two podcasts we recorded and the book that's uh on amazon i'll, I'll Plug it again, but it's on the screen. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Proof decay, how Bitcoin fixes this, honestly, was uh, really opens your eyes. And, and uh, hopefully people can start to see that and see that it's the right time to be doing something about it. Um, yeah. It's not just, I think, just aside to it, but at the moment it seems like it's just Bitcoin seems to be just for the rebels or the mavericks that want to, to run with it. But actually, um, it's really not. When you when you look into it further, well, it shouldn't be. Yeah. yeah. So well, yeah. No, thank you very much for your time. Not at all. And no, thank you, Nick. Thank you for asking me. It's much. It's really difficult to know where to start. You know, kind of producing my own videos. I think it's a lot more dynamic yeah. when you have a conversation with someone else, and you know, having someone's perspective who's new to it really kind of brings out different aspects of the conversation. So yeah, of course. Thank you for your interest and no for problem. inviting me. It's great. I love talking about these things. Yeah. No, I'm all sure. Right, we'll then. Be on again when. Uh, it's uh, maybe after the halving when it fluctuates. Even more exciting, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I told you 18 months ago. Yeah, yeah, that's it, we'll do. <laughs> Brilliant, thanks Nick, good to see you. This is the Entrepreneur Academy. If you have a question, use the hashtag the Entrepreneur Academy.